0: Hi, this is Donna Papacosta, co-author with Steve Lubetkin of The Business of Podcasting, and you're listening to The Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to The Marketing Book Podcast helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the
1: quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes, you can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today we're joined by Donna Papacosta and we're going to talk about the new book she has co-authored with Steve Lubetkin, The Business of Podcasting. How to take your podcasting passion from the personal to the professional. And after the interview, I will tell you how you can win a copy of The Business of Podcasting. Donna Papacosta is a writer, speaker, podcaster, and consultant who helps people and organizations to share their stories and build their businesses. She also runs webinars and workshops and speaks at conferences on communications topics. In September 2005, she started one of the first business podcasts in Canada, Trafcom News. Since then, she has produced countless podcast episodes for her own business and for clients and has taught many people how to use audio, multimedia, and social media effectively. A native New Yorker, she now lives in the greater Toronto area. Donna, congratulations on the business of podcasting and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Well, thanks so much for the kind words and it's really a pleasure to be speaking with you today. I appreciate the opportunity, Douglas.
1: Well, your book came with the very Highest Recommendation. It was from one of my listeners.
0: Well, that's always a good thing. Thank thank you very much to that listener, whoever it is.
1: His name is Kevin Anselmo, and he's the founder (laughs) and principal of Experiential Communications (laughs) in the Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina area, and we will include a link to his website on the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. So to the listener, if you have other recommendations for books, a recommendation from you goes pretty far, so... Let me just start with an opening quote that made me smile. Producing business podcasts is not normally going to be about going viral or getting tens of thousands of downloads. It's about producing content that helps businesses connect with clients and prospects in an engaging way that solves business problems. Donna, tell us the story of, of how this book came to be and why you and, and Steve wrote it.
0: Well as you've mentioned I started podcasting a long time ago so I've been doing it more than 10 years and originally started just doing my own podcast there was no way 10 years ago you could approach a client about podcasting because no one knew what it was. So about 2 years ago I guess I I thought about producing a book about the business side of podcasting so not so much a how to podcast book because there are plenty of those out there but something more on the business side. I was getting tired of seeing the snake oil salesman around podcasting, and you've probably seen them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your listeners have too. You know, take my course, just send me a check for $2,000 and you too can have a house on the beach in Hawaii.
1: Right. I think they used to sell diet pills. uh, (laughs) They (laughs) moved on. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Exactly.
0: So, and I had written uh, the podcast scripting book before, which was just a Kindle book, but I wanted this to be a little bit more substantial. So I thought I would call on one of my podcasting colleagues, Steve Lubetkin in New Jersey, just to get a, a co-author on board and, and so that we could bounce things off each other. And I think it, it worked out well. It was, a, it was a great relationship that Steve and I have. So, so we started writing it. Then, of course, as soon as you start writing a book, you get really busy with everything else. So it took us a while and we finally came out with it uh, this summer. Uh, first, the Kindle edition, and then the trade paperback. So we've been getting good feedback from people, and and we're just happy to have the book and the ideas out there.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So before we go any further, please describe what a podcast is and why that's different from any old audio on the web.
0: Yeah, and that, that's something I like to tell people because there still are misconceptions. I have people calling me up saying they'd like to do a podcast, and then it turns out they want one single video. Or they want one single audio file on their website. And there's nothing wrong with a a video or a, a piece of audio on your website. But what makes a podcast a podcast is that it is serial in nature. In other words, episodic. There's more than one. And people can subscribe to it. So if you just have a piece of audio on your website, I can't subscribe to that. So that's what distinguishes a podcast. And it's, it's generally conversational, but not necessarily. People can do a podcast in any style they want. But, but being serial and subscribable is truly the hallmarks of, uh, of being a podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. What has happened to increase the popularity of podcasts? I mean, now, we know they've been around for you know, at least 10 years, but it seems like there's a, a bit of a hockey stick. I say hockey stick because I know you live in Canada, but where it's, it's the growth that seems to be taking off.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because if you look at the statistics from Edison Research and other organizations, and Edison are the ones who mainly do track these podcast numbers, the numbers have been growing steadily for about 10 years. But anecdotally, we saw when the Serial podcast came out over a year ago, it seemed to really put podcasting on the map for a lot of people. And I recognized this when my 20-something daughter came home from work and said she was listening to a podcast and she had never uttered the words podcast and had never... (laughs) had any interest whatsoever in the fact that her mother was a podcaster had all these microphones and was traveling around, you know, <laughs> to different places, you know, recording things for clients and she couldn't care less. But all of a sudden she had discovered podcasts and, and she was like a lot of other people. And so it, it's funny, the numbers do show a steady growth, but yet there seemed to be that bump about a year ago.
1: Mm-hmm. I think, doesn't the Edison Research also talk about how the people that do listen are listening Pretty intently. In other words, they're, they're... Yes. Talk about that.
0: Yeah, that that's a great point. And I just made this point in a presentation I did last week, that the people who listen to podcasts tend to listen to more than one. So even the people who just discovered podcasting through Serial then developed a hunger for podcasts and then were looking for other things to listen to. And we saw a whole bunch of blog posts after uh, Serial ended, what to listen to now, recommended podcasts. And people were were putting things out there because pe- folks had incorporated listening to podcasts into their daily routine, whether it was commuting to work or going on the treadmill or walking the dog or folding laundry, whatever it was, they said, wow, I really like this idea of listening while I'm doing something else that doesn't require my brain, like, you know, washing the dishes. Or watching a video. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is it's funny that um, like for me, often, even if I am watching a video, if it's a long form video, I tend to walk away and, and listen to the sound or put my headphones in and just listen to it while I do something else. So mm-hmm. that's just me. Uh, unless a video has a great uh, visual element to it, if it's just talking heads, I'd, I'd rather just listen.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that the growth in the use of smartphones, Androids, iTunes, has done quite a bit to help podcasting, where in 2005, when I was listening to podcasts, I was having to plug it into my computer whereas now it just uploads automatically. Have you gotten a sense that that's, that's been one of the, the inflection points?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember having my first MP3 player, which was not an iPod, and it was cumbersome to use. I had to hook up a cable to my computer, and if I wanted to listen in the car, I had to have this adapter, and it was quite complicated. Now, I mean, a lot of the things we read a year ago told us that the car was the next frontier for podcasting, and indeed, many people today, if you have a newer car it's very easy to listen to podcasts. You might use Bluetooth or you might have a USB cable. And and even on our smartphones now, I have an iPhone. That podcast app makes it really easy to listen. Or sometimes individual podcasts like uh, This American Life, for example, will have its own app. And uh, now, of course, Google Play has come out with yeah. an easy way, only in the U.S. so far, Oh, okay. uh, But but an easier way for people to listen on their Android devices, which will be huge. Because as we know, as popular as the iPhone is, most people have an Android device. So I think that's going to open up podcasting even more, which is great news for me.
1: Yes, absolutely. And to explain, on an iPhone, the I- iTunes app is, is native, I guess you would say.
0: Yeah, it's a podcast app now. It's, it's a native app. It comes with the phone, and it makes it really easy to subscribe and listen.
1: So when you got an Android, you then had to go and find the iTunes app and put it on your phone. Yeah. It's, order, it's Or, or Stitcher.
0: Yeah. Or, yeah, you could use something like Stitcher, or Overcast, or, or something else. But it, you had to take a step. that right. The keyword word there wasn't native.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, we always want to remove those barriers, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to make it hard for people to do something. We want to make it easy for them to do it.
1: Right, right. Can you talk about the, the role that, you know, corporate content creation and publishing is having in a, what you call a post newspaper digital world and and, and how that's tied into podcasts.
0: Yeah. Well, I think people are looking at new ways to reach out for people. Some of the corporate clients that I have who've approached me about producing podcasts for them, they said, you know, we're doing our, our traditional stuff on our website. You know, we've got our people on television, on the news broadcast, business news networks and things like that. But we, you know, we have a niche audience and we'd like to produce content just for them. And they have interesting people. Uh, they decided that let's have those interesting conversations captured in an audio format. So even if there's only maybe you know a couple of thousand people who are the target audience, that's okay. It's it's a real niche audience, and it, and we're reaching them with compelling content. You know there are people like uh, you know Mignon Fogarty with her Grammar Girl podcast, where just about everyone in the world who speaks English. Or wants to speak English is her potential audience, but for most of our corporate podcasts, it's a it's a small group that we're trying to reach out to.
1: But so it's the people, right group.
0: It's the right group, exactly. Uh, you know, when I interviewed Todd Cochran when I was writing the book, he said, you know, if your if your audience is brain surgeons, you don't need a huge audience, you know, but mm-hmm. you're reaching out to that group.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk about how podcasts, you know, again about content marketing, but how it it cultivates. Thought leadership, and, and if you could share the what you call the unexpected benefits of podcasting that Anna Farmery, the host of The Engaging Brand, experienced.
0: Yeah, it was interesting when I inter- So, first of all, a podcast as thought leadership, as a piece of content marketing, can be very, very powerful. If you speak to people like Mitch Joel, and I know you have, he will. Uh, use his own podcast, Six Pixels of Separation, as an example of content marketing. He's putting out useful, relevant information that's not about him. It's Appealing to his his target market, to his listeners, and and people indeed are finding that a podcast can be an effective way to establish thought leadership by by just talking about subjects that are of interest to your audience. And when I interviewed Anna Farmery for the for the book, and as you mentioned, she has a wonderful podcast called The Engaging Brand. Uh, she talked about how she was creating a podcast for different reasons, and which I won't get into. You can read about it in the book but what she did discover was that it turned out that it was a great business development tool and she hadn't even anticipated that so it was very interesting you know there are people who start a podcast with the idea of winning business from it but then you know they discover other benefits where she approached it from the other way so it was it was very interesting to hear her say that when she realized how much of her new clients that group that pool of people was coming from people who had discovered her podcast
1: mm mm-hmm. I, I may be the only one, but I, I get a question or I get a sense that people think that you're going to make money on the podcast, like maybe John Lee Dumas does, you know, by, yeah. by something like through advertising or something. But it it seems like for most people, the podcast is a means to an end. It's just like having a blog or a white papers or something like that, where they 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 have a business model, but this is part of their of their promotion. Do you do you run into people who think that? there's like a direct connection between the podcast, uh, and the, the paradise life.
0: Yes. And, and in fact, often those are the folks who will not succeed at their podcast because they get discouraged after the third week when they don't have a sponsor. And there are people, yes, who have sponsors, who have advertisers and, and, and can do well with that. But for most people, I think they should look at a podcast as a piece of content marketing, as a way to establish thought leadership as Anna did, as Mitch Joel does, as many other people do. Not to say that you can't go the other way. There's a fellow uh, we wrote about in the book, uh, Jesse Brown in Toronto has the Canada Land podcast, which is a media criticism podcast. He reached out to his audience and said, look guys, I'd really like to do this full time. Can you help me? set up a Patreon account. He now has more than 2,000 people and he's, he's getting about $14,000, Canadian dollars, I admit, but $14,000 a month. Yeah. From his listeners and, and enabling him to podcast full time. So it can be done if you have something that's really great. But for most people starting off, if you start off with your first intention is to make money, and you're, it's not that you have a message that you really want to get out there. You're probably not going to succeed at it.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the book, you underscore that podcasting success doesn't happen overnight. And frankly, what kind of success does happen overnight? <laughs> I, I'm still looking. But you say that half of all podcast shows don't make it to episode seven.
0: Yeah. And these were numbers that we were getting from the people who know, like the people who have hosting services. So they know how many people start off. Because as I said, people are looking for instant results. You know, we all want to lose five pounds overnight, become an overnight success. It doesn't happen like that. And with the podcast, you really need to build your audience it's like, you know, the same thing with the blog. I teach uh, digital strategy and social media at the University of Toronto, and our students have to create a blog. And some of them get so discouraged in the beginning because it's only their mom who's reading it. You know, I said, give it time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It takes a Mm -hmm. while to build an audience.
1: Yeah, it's... uh it's just, it's just like the, the blog. And I think there's probably a similar statistic about how most corporate blogs don't make it past like five posts or something like that. I, I saw something on that recently. And I was just, I thought it was a real, real similar uh, thing. And it, it, I think it's they don't think about who's reading it or who the audience or who, who it's for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you start off without a strategy, if you start off not knowing who your your audience is, it's really hard to succeed.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I think is real important for the listener to take away is you say that podcasts are not commercials. Why do you state that so emphatically in the book? Are are a lot of people making a mistake there?
0: Well, I think so is that people think, well, I will just read my articles and show how smart I am or that they're going to put something out there to sell. I need to sell, sell, sell. Mm -hmm. Well, if you can convince me through being really smart about what you're talking about, if that convinces me that you're an expert in this field, that is much more compelling than you Talking about yourself for 20 minutes. Nobody, I mean, people don't even want to watch ads on television anymore. There's no way they're going to subscribe to a podcast to listen to someone talk about how wonderful he is, really. Mm. And, you know, people just don't understand that sometimes.
1: Well, all I can think is maybe they've reached some syndication deal with a prison where the guys in there are forced (laughs) to listen. (laughs) <laughs> that would be
0: about the only way yeah. I think. But you know, that's truly, not where the money is. <laughs> truly captive audience, yeah, right. yeah. They're only making twelve cents an hour, so they're not going to be able to pay you very much. So
1: yeah, it's going to be a, the monetization is going to be a, a, a little tricky for them. So if if readers only took one thing away from your book, what would you hope it would be?
0: Well, we hope it would be that you truly can turn your podcasting passion into profit in a legitimate, non-smarmy way, that it can be done.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people seem to forget that it's all about getting people's attention now. theres I, I don't think there's much of a captive audience left anywhere, except maybe live sports or something like that. People can go where they want, and they seem like it's its really all about your attention. And if you are spamming them, <laughs> doing audio spam, it's, it's just not going to work. For sure. So... Before we wrap up, let me ask you a couple questions that are of interest to the listeners. Is there a recent marketing or, or business book that you recommend?
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure how, how recent it is, but it's something I've revisited, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, how great leaders inspire everyone to take action. But it's about more than great leaders. It's it all it reminds me how important strategy is and how we have to keep asking the why question. And I know this is something we talk about um, when we teach digital strategy, but it's always coming back to why. why. Why would I do this? Why would someone listen to this show, for example? Now we know why people listen to your show. I hope you know that. Uh, but it all starts with that why question.
1: That is one of the the great books. And it's a simple concept, perhaps, to explain in a few sentences, but I think it is the hardest thing for companies to do. Yeah. But once they can break through and start to understand it, and what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll include his TED Talk, which is probably like the third or fifth most watched TED Talk where he explains this concept. Great book. Yeah, Yeah, I
0: know. It's a great TED Talk, too.
1: I saw him speak at the inbound conference about a year ago and it was just fantastic and and no slides you know it was one of those keynotes where it was just it was just riveting that's wonderful are there any marketing or or business books you look forward to to getting to that might be coming out soon or might be on the nightstand
0: well there you know the old nightstand is, has a large stack and and one of the ones that I've been meaning to read is by Jay Bear and I met Jay when he was in Toronto last year or the year well maybe 18 months ago is his book Utility Y-O-U utility. And again, it's a content marketing book where he talks about the value of putting out content that is very useful to people. It sounds so obvious, but again, we're not advertising here. We're, we're doing content marketing. So I'm, I'm very always hungry for material about content marketing.
1: That is another great book. And he was one of the first guests on the show. And I've seen him speak about this topic twice. And I find myself talking about examples from his book Every week when I'm talking to a pr- prospective customer or a client or, or anybody, where they, we're trying to explain this, again, sort of simple idea. But then he gives so many examples of how it's working well. We'll link up to that in the show notes, is the, the, the interview we did here. And he's actually got another one coming out called Hug Your Haters, <laughs> um, about uh, how negative feedback and complaints actually are uh, you know, a gift from the gods in terms of customers who complain. It's, it's really easy to turn them into uh, advocates, but also the information you're prov- they're providing you might have been something that years ago companies would have paid a lot of money to market researchers just to, just to get.
0: Well, exactly, yeah. Well, now there's two J. Bear, J. Bear books I
1: need to read. Well, one at a time. The other one's not out yet, so you're, uh, you're good. But Utility, okay. I think that's going to be around for a long time. So how can listeners best find out more about you uh, and your book?
0: Well, we do have a website called, believe it or not, thebusinessofpodcasting.com. It was available. So there we have information about the book. We have some reviews there and uh, other information. And and the book is also available through Amazon, either as a Kindle edition or as a trade paperback in amazon.com or also amazon.ca for people who are in Canada. So thebusinessofpodcasting.com.
1: And I noticed that it also has other interviews you've done on other podcasts, which I thought, boy, that would, that's very appropriate <laughs> for a yes, book about so, podcasting.
0: Well, we'll put a link uh, to this interview oh, when it's you. online, yeah. so there you
1: go. Don't think I didn't notice that, Donna. Oh,
0: you had an ulterior motive there, didn't (laughs) you, No, no,
1: I I didn't. uh, After we booked the, I noticed you did that. And I thought, boy, if there's ever a website where it makes sense to have podcast interviews, it was the, the website about your book. So the name of the book is The Business of Podcasting, How to Take Your Podcasting Passion from Personal to the Professional. The authors are Steve Lubetkin and Donna Papacosta. Donna, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: My pleasure, Douglas. Thank you for inviting me.
1: And that closes the book on the 50th episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Oh, yeah. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of your learning. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and guides. And while there, be sure to join the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. To win a copy of the book, go to marketingbookpodcast.com, click on the Contact Podcast button, And tell me which iTunes review is yours and include your mailing address. First one to do so wins. And please join us next time as we talk to Ann Janzer, author of Subscription Marketing, Strategies for Nurturing Customers in a World of Churn. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.
0: Yeah, he's he's funny, but when he calls me his podcasting godmo- godmother, I feel really old.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I won't say that. <laughs>